Today we will be going through the categorical study, the Hallelujah Psalm. But before we begin, as is our custom, let's remember 1 John 1 9 as may or may not be necessary. Introduction. In the Septuagint, the Greek word hallelujah occurs as the title of Psalm 148. The word has come directly into the English language without change as a religious expression. Within the Psalms to which the title hallelujah is attached, there is an emphasis on the power and wisdom of God as each Psalm is a witness of his mighty deeds. The last five psalms are declared to be the Hallelujah Psalms. Of the five psalms, the first serves as an introduction to the following four. It speaks broadly of Jehovah's power as manifested in the help and blessing of those who trust in him. The second, while extolling him as the God of creation, emphasizes his relationship to delivered Israel. The third calls for the full praise of all in heaven and in earth. The fourth shows the nation's yielding, but under the judgment of God, of which Israel is the executor. The last psalm praises him with all the instruments, each according to its capacity with man serving as the conductor. Our emphasis in this doctrine will be on one of those five psalms, Psalms 148. Revelation chapter 19 is often declared to be the fourfold hallelujah and a New Testament celebration of Psalm 148. As evidence of this declaration, I want to provide you with an expanded translation of the 19th chapter of the Apocalypse of John. Revelations chapter 19 verse 1 through 21. After I saw the destruction of Babylon and the resolute joy in heaven, I heard the roar of a great crowd in heaven exclaiming, Praise God! Deliverance and glory and power solely belong to Jesus the Christ. For certain and just are all his judgments. He has condemned and judged ecumenical, political, and commercial Babylon, who for centuries corrupted the earth by her false teachings. He is calling her to account for spilling the blood of his servants. At this point, John again heard from heaven, Hallelujah, for the omnipotent Lord God reigneth. The 24 elders representing the raptured church age saints and the four special elect angels all fell prostrate and worshiped the Christ, who was seated on the throne. The raptured saints of heaven cried out, Amen and Hallelujah. And out of the throne room in heaven came a voice praising God. In fact, the voice demanded all his servants, small and great, all who fear and respect him must praise his name. And then I heard what sounded like the shouting of a large crowd. It sounded much like the waves of a hundred oceans crashing on a rocky shore. 
or like the crash of thunder from an approaching storm. Let us rejoice and be glad and honor him. For the marriage has occurred, and now we are ready to celebrate with a wedding banquet in honor of the Lamb of God and his bride, the church. For she has made herself ready. She is prepared. Because of her faith alone in Christ alone, she is permitted to wear her decorations on her uniform of glory. The uniform is made of the cleanest and whitest of fine linen. The angel then said to me, Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding feast of the Lamb of God. And then he added, God himself has so stated. I, John, then fell down to worship the angel, but he rebuked me, saying, Get up, do not do that. I am a servant of God just like you, and serve not only you, but all of your brothers in Christ. The purpose of all prophecy is to describe the triumph and return of Jesus the Christ. Then I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a huge white horse. The rider was called Faithful and True. It is said of him, he has come to judge with justice and to make war on those who refuse to call him Lord. His eyes were like flames of fire, and on... His head were many crowns of royalty. He had a name written on his forehead. He alone knew its meaning. He was clothed in garments, dipped in blood, and his official title was clearly displayed, the Word of God. The angelic armies of heaven dressed in finest linen, white and clean, were following him. They too were riding on white horses. In his mouth, the Lord had a large executioner's sword with which to strike down the nations. He began slaughtering the armies of the nations, and so flowed their blood, it was like a man treading a winepress. He treaded the winepress with the fury and wrath of God Almighty himself. And on his robe and on his thigh was the name King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And I saw an angel whose brightness was as the sun. He cried out to all the flesh-eating birds in a voice which could be heard all over the world. Come to Israel, Edom, and Babylon. Gather together for the great supper of God. Here you may eat the flesh of kings, generals, and mighty men, of horses and their riders, and the flesh of all people, free and slave, small and great. Then I saw the Antichrist leading the world's kings, presidents, prime ministers, and their armies. They were moving slowly but surely toward the Middle East. The Antichrist had put together a global coalition for the purpose of making war against Israel, Christ, and his heavenly army. The Antichrist and his forces were coming from the west across the Mediterranean. The Arab forces were coming from the south, and the forces headquartered in Moscow moved a great armada south into the Holy Land, and finally from the east came the Oriental hordes, all armies aching for combat. In cryptic fashion, only the result of the battle is described in this chapter. Carnage fit for the world's vultures. 
The defeat of the armies of the beast, however, is a prelude of the destruction of the beast himself and his minions. And then the Antichrist was captured together with his sidekick, the false prophet. The false prophet, who had been so conniving, he had seduced many into worshipping the image of the Antichrist, and great numbers had followed his recommendation to take the mark of the beast. Both were cast into the lake of fire created for Satan and his demon subalterns. The rest of those who fought against the Lord at Jerusalem, Megiddo and Edom, were killed by the Lord's executioner's sword, and all the birds gorged themselves on their flesh. The population of Sheol, or Hades as the Greeks called it, was greatly increased. It is here that all unbelievers must live in torment until their judgment before the great white throne. Most of you listening today have heard and appreciated that great piece of music by Handel, entitled Most of you listening have heard and appreciated that great piece of music by Handel, entitled The Hallelujah Chorus. But seven years after the rapture, there will be the reality of that shadow portrayed by Handel. And now for a preview of what will one day be the real Hallelujah Chorus. Psalms 148, King James Version, verses 1 through 14. Praise ye the Lord. Praise ye the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights. Praise ye him, all his angels. Praise ye him, all his host. Praise ye him, sun and moon. Praise him, all ye stars of light. Praise him, ye heavens of heavens, and ye waters that be above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded, and they were created. He hath also established them forever and ever. He hath made a decree which shall not pass. Praise the Lord from the earth, ye dragons and all deeps, fire and hail, snow and vapors, stormy wind fulfilling his work, mountains and all hills, fruitful trees and all cedars, beast and all cattle, creeping things and flying fowl, king of the earth and all people, princes and all judges of the earth, both young men and maidens, old men and children. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is excellent. His glory is above the earth and heaven. He also exalteth the horn of his people, the praise of all his saints, even of the children of Israel. New International Version, Psalms 148, verses 1 through 14. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights above. Praise him, all his angels. Praise him, all his heavenly host. Praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all you shining stars. Praise him, you highest heavens 
and you waters above the skies. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded and they were created. He set them in place forever and ever. He gave a decree that will never pass away. Praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures and all ocean depths. Lightning and hail, snow and clouds, stormy winds that do his bidding. You mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, wild animals and all cattle, small creatures and flying birds. King of the earth and all nations, you princes and all rulers on earth, young men and maidens, old men and children. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. His splendor is above the earth and the heavens. He has raised up for his people a horn, the praise of all his saints of Israel, the people close to his heart, praise the Lord. The praise begins in the heavenly sphere. In Psalms 148, 1 through 6, this is the divine order. When that great hallelujah chorus will be heard, the great finale of God's unfinished redemption symphony, its first notes of praise and rejoicing are not heard from earth. They come from above. Here at least is a hint of a heavenly company whose praise and worship stands first even before the praise of the world of unseen spirits. The angels of God, that praising company is itself higher than the angels. They occupy a place in the heights, the heights of heaven, where even the seraphim must veil their faces. Marvelous truth, so fully revealed in the New Testament, will come tumbling from above. In the highest heavens, in that third heaven, is a large company of redeemed ones. That company is the church the body and the bride of Christ, the four and twenty elders. Through the long-promised and long-expected rapture, the body has been united with the head in glory. The bride has been joined to the bridegroom to become symbolically the Lamb's wife. Mighty hallelujahs are now heard from these heights of glory. What was written by Paul in his letter to the church at Ephesus, will then be fulfilled. The principalities and power in heavenly places will behold the glorification of the true church, the manifold wisdom of God. KJV, Ephesians 3.10 and 11. To the intent that now unto the principalities and power in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord. NIV, Ephesians 13, 10, and 11. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. What hallelujahs we shall sing when he brings his many sons unto glory. 
when we all shall be like him, that he might be the first begotten among many brethren. Then the angels and all the heavenly hosts shout their adoring praises. Their mighty hallelujahs, the whole universe vibrates with praise of him who is and always has been. What harmony that will be when the redeemed saints of God join in musical praise with the angelic host populating billions of galaxies stretching across vast light years of space. Each star will also answer with hallelujahs of its own. Sun and moon, all the stars of light, the heavens of heavens, and the mysteries above the heavens will also praise Jehovah's name. Not to be outdone, a new sound is heard from the lower spheres of earth. There comes forth a universal call for praise. We begin with the least known of earth's creatures, the monsters of the deep, which is Psalms 148, 7-14. And here's the King James Version of that, Psalms 148, 7 through 14. Praise the Lord from the earth, ye dragons and all deeps, fire and hail, snow and vapors, stormy wind fulfilling his word, mountains and all hills, fruitful trees and all cedars, beast and all cattle, creeping things and flying fowl, king of the earth and all people, princes and all judges of the earth, both young men and maidens, old men and children. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is excellent. His glory is above the earth and heaven. He also exalteth the horn of his people, the praise of all his saints, even of the children of Israel, a people near unto him, Praise ye the Lord. The heavenly overture is over, and the musical score of praise segues from the galactic choruses to bass voices resonating from deep ocean caves and even the waves themselves with their dangerous undertoes. And dark shadows praise his name. The monsters of the depths, that is, the depths of the vast oceans are mentioned first. While there is a wonderful animal life upon the earth, in the waters of the vast oceans exist still another domain. Oceanographers have measured the depth of the ocean. The deepest is 36,056 feet. And there are other depths which have never been sounded. Way down in these depths is a world all unto itself which has not as yet been explored. In all probability, that world will most likely never be known to earthly man. In the depths of the ocean move the great sea monsters. The Creator knows them all, as He knows every star in the universe above. And these creatures of His hand will gladly praise Him. Then the products of the air are mentioned, fire, and hail, electricity, elements both discovered and undiscovered will come forth with song 
and even the lightning and thunder and the snowflakes with their vapors of tiny droplets of unseen water will join in the melodic praise. The hurricane which sweeps over the earth obeys his word and must praise him. Mountains towering in majestic ranges, the lower hills, the valleys, fruit trees, cedars, beasts, cattle, the creeping things, and the birds, all must praise him and will praise their creator and restorer. And thus will end the groans of creation. King James Version, Romans eight nineteen through 22. For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who hath subjected the same in hope. Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and traveleth and pain together until now. New International Version, again Romans 8.19 through 22. The creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. We all know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Then we find mention the kings of the earth, the entire human race princes and judges, young and old. They are called upon to praise Jehovah's name. His name alone will be exalted in that day of his visible and glorious manifestation when he comes as a warrior, Jesus, to deliver his people Israel. What of that day of deliverance? An angelic told Zechariah about it some 520 years before the birth of Christ. Expanded Translation Zechariah chapter 14, verse 1 through 21 Note well, Israel, God's judgment day for you and your countrymen is on the way. Plunder will be piled high and handed out to the nations. Particularly destructive will be the forces of the king of the north. I'm bringing all the godless nations to war against Judah and Jerusalem. Your houses will be plundered. Your women will be raped. Half of the population of the city will surrender and be killed or enslaved, and half will be left in Jerusalem to defend it. But then the Messiah will return with his heavenly angelic army. Christ will destroy the godless nations and fight on your behalf just as he has done so often in the past. Jesus Christ will return at his second advent to the Mount of Olives, and when his nail-scarred foot touches earth there, will be a great earthquake splitting Mount Moriah. 
All those trapped in the city will flee to the east using the great valley caused by the Lord's return. When Jesus' foot touches earth atop the mount, it will split open, making a way of escape. The valley will extend all the way to Jericho, a city located 25 miles east of Jerusalem. Then the Lord God will move out with his angelic army against the armies of the world. On that day, there will be no light from the sun, because all the light needed will come from the supernatural aura of the light of the world. That light will be so special, it defies human description. It will be a unique day, a day known only to the Lord. Christ, as the light of the world, will always shine. There will be no night, no darkness, and no need for the rest in perfect environment. During the millennium, there will flow from the throne of God in Jerusalem, living water, half to the Dead Sea and half to the Mediterranean Sea, both in summer and winter, a perpetual flow. When the Messiah returns, he will be king over the whole earth, not just the Holy Land. All other so-called religions will vanish. There will be no more Islamist, Hindu, Buddhist, Scientologist, Christian scientist, or deist. He, the Christ, will replace them all, and each will be shown for what they were impotent, worthless, and silly attempts on the part of man to make themselves right with God. The hill country of Benjamin and Judah shall be leveled. The country around Jerusalem will become like the Arabah, a level plain. Jerusalem will be raised up from the Benjamin gate to the site of the first gate, to the corner gate, and from the tower of Haniel, to the royal wine presses, just as it was during the days of Israel's greatest prosperity. Jerusalem will be inhabited by the saints of God during the millennium. Never again will Jerusalem be destroyed. Jerusalem will be a city of refuge. After the deliverance of the remnant in the city, the Lord Jesus will strike the armies of the nations with a terrible plague. A divine concoction will rot their flesh, their eyes will rot in their sockets, and their tongues will rot in their mouths. There will be a scattered and strange skeletons amidst a massive field of human and animal carnage. After the remnant escapes from Jerusalem, the Lord will strike the residue of the nations with a great panic. The nations will turn against one another, each destroying the other. After the ghastly plague and confusion imposed upon the invading armies of the world, the Lord Jesus will order forth the small but dedicated military remnant of Judah, and they shall march out of the city in force. Israel will strip their enemies of all their gold and silver and apparel even unto Megiddo, where the armies of the Antichrist, Pan-Arabic bloc, Orient, and remnant of the army of the north 
are suffering. Their Israel will help themselves to the wealth of the nations. Upon arriving at the respective encampments of their enemies, the forces of Israel are surprised to find not only a suffering army, but even the donkeys, camels, and horses have been consumed by the terrible plague. The hand of the Lord has destroyed all human and animal life. When the Messiah makes his home with a man on earth, the remnant of the nations will annually travel to Jerusalem to celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles, and there they will worship the King, the Lord of the armies. Should any nation not send delegates to Jerusalem to worship the king, the Lord and the armies will cause a drought in their land. Now if Egypt does not send a delegation to Jerusalem to worship the king and to celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles, that nation will get no rain and God will bring to that once proud king of the south a special plague designed to punish the entire nation. Yes, this shall be the punishment of Egypt, and the punishment of all nations that do not celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles. During the millennium reign of Christ, everything in the land shall be pure, sacred, and set apart. Even the horses and the pots and pans used for cooking will be as sacred as the utensils used in the Holy of Holies. Yes, Every pot in the city of Jerusalem and in all of Judah shall be holy to the Lord. And all they that sacrifice shall come and cook and eat from them. And in that day there shall be no more error in the house of the Lord. For sin and evil shall be no more in the land of Judah. And that happy national hallelujah Israel will no longer be far away but near unto the Christ. They will be the great nation of praise, the great song leader on earth. Hallelujah, hallelujah, and hallelujah. Now let us pray. Now let us pray. Father, as we think about the many psalms of praise found in your word, we realize that we will have to wait till we are no longer hindered by our bodies of humiliation to truly appreciate what will one day occur. Your psalmists tell us that praise will begin in the heavenly sphere. With the things above, when that great hallelujah chorus will be aired. The great finale of your redemption symphony from above. Yes, Father, even before the angels there will be praise from the third heaven where a heavenly company resides, a company of redeemed saints standing amidst a stack of crowns higher than the snow-covered peaks of Mount Everest. Then the angels will shout their adoring praise, their mighty hallelujahs. The whole universe will vibrate in expectation as the mighty King Jesus rises above all things made. The stars will answer with hallelujahs of their own. Both sun and moon and the mysterious galaxies from far and near will sing in praise of Jehovah's name. And then from below, in bellowing praise, 
with voices low but strong. Yes, Father, like their essence, songs of strength, songs of praise from deep basso voices of the monsters of the deep, accompanied by tenors, sopranos, baritones, and altos from the many fishes of the sea. Myriad creatures way down in the depths of undiscovered waters will emerge in praise of your deliverance. Why? Because each know they are all known by you who created them and that their groanings have been heard. Mountains above the earth and valleys below will also sing, and so will the fruit trees, cedars, beasts, cattle, the creeping things, and the birds. All must praise their Creator, and such will be the end of their groanings. And from every place on earth, mankind will stop and bow in reverence to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. For heaven will one day come down, and your name will be hallowed above all names. It is our purpose in this doctrine to praise you by celebrating your glorious return. Help us, Father, to mediate on that day when all of your creatures will sing hallelujahs to your name and reputation. For I ask these things in the name of Christ our Savior. Amen. And that concludes the Hallelujah Psalm. If Psalms 148 does not lift your spirit and give you hope, I recommend you go back to the top of this lesson, which you can see on West Bank Bible Church in its printed form, or you can listen to it there as well, and start over. It's a glorious thing. Before I let you go, remember, if there's anyone within the sound of my voice that does not have Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, very simple, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. So long.